Hi, it's very busy around here. Um, I hope to do the podcast soon in a minute. Uh, before I, I do it, I just want to uh, say a word of thanks to the sponsor tonight, which is Dove Hirsch. He introduced himself from Muncie, the attorney. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet him when we were in Muncie the other day, but we uh, hope to in the future I get to Muncie from time to time. He's very kind to offer it and offer others. And I just wish more people would follow his example, um, obviously. And uh, I'm very grateful for the sponsorship. I wish him and his family and all of us not only a good Shabbos, but a faithful Hanukkah. I'll get on to the podcast in a second. Hi, it's um, Thursday night, mostly Thanksgiving. <laughs> and um, I want to do, I know I'm running a little late behind the week, but sometimes I have a lot of work. Anyhow, um, Looking at the Haftarah today, the Parsha Bayeshev is classic, and the Haftarah Vomus is also classic. If you know even a key who's there about the prophets of Israel, because Amos Amos is among the most famous, and he's very cool. Very cool. He claimed to have been a, a simple uh, woodsman, you know, sycamore tree planter or something like that. But he, obviously, that's baloney. You know, um, you wouldn't have been a novi unless you have some kind of education. And the language he uses and the style of rhetoric that he uses is a classic. So I would say again, you can't even believe what they see sometimes in the Tanakh or sometimes they're saying it is for modesty purposes or for political purposes. And in our little passage today, okay, um, he alludes, let's put it this way, it can be read as an allusion to Parsha Sviyeshev. Um, let me introduce. Almost, maybe I said this in the past, it doesn't matter. Is a master of public speaking. He's a prophet in the sense of Niv, Navi. And good public speakers, rhetoricians as they used to call them, have shtick. Certain tricks. And one of them is like to hook you in. And so almost lived in the north, in what I usually call the Silver Age, um, that's when Israel, for a fairly short time, was ruled by a successful king in the south, plus a successful king in the north. Usually it was some doofus in the south and a successful in the north, or some doofus in the north and successful south, or two Rishayim at the same time. During what we call the Silver Age, the south was ruled by uh, Uziah, and north was ruled by Yerubim II, Yerubim Yosh. And they were not perfect. Uziah was basically a phone guy until he screwed up. Um, and um, Yerobam, what should I say, um, was an open of a desert, but he's considered the best of them. So, as best as I can make out, because in his time it says the prophet was Yonah, the prophet Jonah. So, he's one of these people which was classic in those days, who had a kind of syncretistic approach and, so to use simple English, he went to shul on Saturday and went to church on Sunday. That's the type of guy he was. Um, and again, the Chazal considered him the best of the worst. The best of the kings of the north. Now, the problem was not the Bodhisattva. That was a problem. okay. But the social consequences of idolatry, and to be perfectly honest, you can't blame it on idolatry per se, but it was the domination by money. When the richy riches rule, and boy did they rule, everything falls apart. Because they cannot see past their self-interest. 
and society becomes a dystopia, not a utopia. But Amos was a prophet at that time. He was told by God to criticize the social injustice and give him hell, and he does. And one of the main things that I've told today is you can't blame a prophet for doing that because that's what he's commissioned by God to do. But it's very interesting. Now, what's the public speaking trick? He stands in the street, a place in Shomron, the capital of the north, something like that, and he starts making a speech. I foresee, as we would say today, the destruction of Russia. I foresee the destruction of Saudi Arabia. I foresee the destruction of Iran, of China, of North Korea. Mm, people want to hear that. They come and listen. And then he says, I foresee the destruction of the state of Israel. Oh, that they don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> but I caught you. The, the crowd is already collected. I got your attention. And now I can hammer home my point. Why do I see the destruction of the state of Israel? You know, like that kind of thing. That's the modern analogy of it. And so when you open the book of Amos, he says, domestic That's his signature trade. You know, trade uh, speech. The Lord says, for three sins I could forgive, but the fourth I can't forgive. In other words, I'll handicap you. I'll give you three or four, um, I'll give you three or four uh, sins, you know what I mean? Big sins, which I will not punish you for. But with the fourth, if it gets bad, first of all, it's the fourth. And second of all, it's particularly bad. I'll wipe you out. Okay? Should have stopped at three. So there's something particularly disgusting that makes me do it. And of course, everybody likes to hear this about the Gaisha nations. The three sins of Damascus, of Syria, as we say today. But the fourth one I won't let go. I'll do Shemachatsu's Barsos Gilad. They practiced atrocities when they conquered Gilad and the Jews. And apparently they threshed the people, the Jews that they conquered there. So now, as we say today, is a war crime. Like they put a threshing thing and rice them and dice them. You know what I mean? Okay? I mean, it's terrible torture. And therefore, I'll wipe out Syria. Then he says, mm. This would be an interesting speech today. The Gaza Strip is a big pain for Israel. For three sins of Gaza, I'll But the fourth sin, I'll wipe them out for. Apparently, they handed over uh, a whole bunch of people as slaves. They had um, probably Jews on the border. Almost exactly the same situation you have in Israel today. Where they'll be shooting or trying to do trouble along the border of the Gaza Strip. And therefore, Shalach the I'll wipe out Azza. No, the old Gaza Strip will go down, meaning the Philistines. And he names names. Hechrati Yoshim Ashdod, Tomashim Ashkelon, Hashibos Yodo Ekron, Odishar Saplishim. Fine. Then he turns to Lebanon. Well, the heck with Lebanon. Ashlosha Pishi Tzor Babashmelo. Down goes Tyre. Again, they did something disgusting. And meanwhile, the crowd is saying, keep, go, go, go. Very good. And the crowd is roaring. Amon was also Jordan. They ripped over the bellies of pregnant women. These are particularly disgusting. Classic Middle Eastern war crimes, and I'll wipe them out. Meanwhile, everybody's on a roll. He just talked about the destruction of Syria, the Gaza Strip, Jordan, as we say today, Lebanon, 
Go, baby, go. I'll slush a pishing mow off. They burned somebody alive or what, dead or whatever. They were wiped him out. Then he starts getting closer to home, having made a circle of the Middle East, as far as Israel considered all their neighbors, because he hit on everybody in the north, Syria and Lebanon. In the south, it's, uh, you know, Edom and the Philistines. In the east, it's uh, Ammon and Moab. And then he gets close. Right? And it's in the kingdom of Judah, which is south of us. And that's already Jewish. They're also going down. They abandoned the Torah. Now the crowd must be getting a little bit nervous. But at least he didn't mention the kingdom of Israel. Where he lives. And then starts our Haftorah today. Our Haftorah today. Hold on for a second. I had to... Um, what do you call And the into the door. Anyway, now this is the beauty of a rhetorician, because the crowd is all there. And then he says, "Okay, baby, now I turn to you. Why you're going to be destroyed? Anyone hear that? And that's our parsha today. Three sins I could take before I came. Now here's very interesting. We're usually accustomed to thinking like this. The south was kind of from. They had to base on not perfect by any means. The north was totally a Buddhist ever since Yeroboam Nevot set up a separate religion. But he doesn't criticize them for what you would imagine, for abandoning the Torah. I want you to listen closely to what I just read before, which immediately precedes our Torah today. I can't help it. That's how our Torahs go. They just picked out of nowhere. They leave out the, the first parts, the second parts. The preceding Pesukim before he got to our Torah today was our Shlosha Pesha Yehuda, talking about the kingdom of the south. Al Mosa Mastoras Hashem, they abandoned the Torah and they went for lies, for idols. Well, I mean, that's Kalvachamr for the North. But he doesn't blast this crowd for that. That's what makes this Parsha so interesting. He, that's not what he blasted the crowd for. He blasted them for social injustice. So this leads one to the conclusion, at least it leads me to the conclusion, that the North was 50 50. Some people were from, despite all the government efforts, and some weren't. Literally, some people worshipped idols, and some did not. And so he's not blasting the crowd that he's seeing for bowing down and worshipping idols. Instead, he's blasting for something else. Your orthodox phonies, hypocrites, is disgusting. For the social injustice means the rich are screwing the poor. The, the rich have taken over the court system and they'll sell a tzadik for money. Tzadik here means somebody who's in the right. And for kesef, they'll sell it. So in other words, anytime I walk into a court in the time of almost, and the courts were run by judges, in this case, who are not worshipping idols because that's not the problem. But I lose the case because the other side paid him off. Why? What about me? Apparently they paid him more than me. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's how it was in those days. That is the hook that ties to the Parsha because that's what the brothers did to Joseph. It's not the same context. It wasn't a matter of social injustice there. But nevertheless, this is the story of Joseph. For Evion, and if the defendant or plaintiff is a poor guy, it doesn't even take a lot of money to bribe the judge. 
You buy him a pair of shoes. Why, for a pair of Crocs, they'll sell the guy down the river. Like Les Miserables, you know? They'll sell him down the river to work in the salt mines or whatever. And it's all because of money. So he's describing the situation. And this is Yoram Hashemi's uh, time. Where it wasn't so much a problem of the idolatry, although that was there, no question about it. However, the problem was that um, we had this corruption, so to speak, of uh, character because there were no checks and balances on the wealthy. Every society in history, they talk about capitalism, all the rest of it. And I understand the pluses of capitalism. I know history. But I also know the minuses of capitalism. And every society wanted to be successful, including the U.S., has always had to have the capitalism on the one hand, but then regulate it and restrain it and fight it on the other. It's a permanent existential tension, and the guys with the money never give up fighting for their interests. The public from time to time or whatever gives up. That's when the guys with the money make their move. If it's possible for them, they will control everything. And society tries to make laws, institutions, to prevent them from controlling everything. Then they use the money always to try to circumvent that. That's the history of a country called the United States of America. I'm very serious, not being funny about that. It goes on today. Um, and it went on then. Right? Now, the difference is, this is Eretz Yisrael. God runs the show. There are a few things that God particularly cannot stand. And one of them is corrupt courts. Right? This we know from many places in the Torah. is interesting. God does not like out of worship either. That is true. He also doesn't like it if Michal Shabbos and, and, and wear shotness. You know, all that is correct. Right? I understand that. Having said that, some things really tick him off. You find many psukim like you do over here, in which if the if there's no mishpat, ha mishpat yamars, if the mishpat system is corrupt, then I'll wipe out the country. And there are many psukim in almost elsewhere, not today's parsha. We talk about wiping out the country because Evan me kirtizak, because the very stones cry out from the injustice that they are forced to watch. And now he blasts the rich, from But imagine the judge is so damn corrupt. All I have to do is buy him a pair of tennis shoes. <laughs> That'll buy the case. So there was no check and balance system. It broke down. Now the Torah has check and balance system. But that requires keeping the Torah. You understand? That's the irony of all these things. American law also it requires keeping the law. But laws are sometimes observed and sometimes aren't. And the rich rich know how to circumvent that to get the high power lawyers. This is how it goes. Okay? This is how it goes. If they have the money, they got the honey. And um, this is exactly what after today's blasting. They walk all over the poor, literally, you know, with sandy shoes. Now, once you have a corrupt society, meaning, once it's all about money, if it's all around money, um, then... Uh, let's put it this way. What's the point of having money? What's the point of having money? You might say like this. See, a little, a small fry, a jerk like me, so I guess, if I had the money I put in the bank, I have security. Won't have to worry what's happening next week, next year, in five years. 
out of security. But that's because I'm thinking like a poor guy. <laughs> you know, if I were a rich man, let's say. And you think like a poor guy. So a poor guy, the main thing, but if he had money, would be security. Right now, you never know. The taxes go up. The prices go up. The gas goes up. Very vase. If I had a million dollars in the bank, 10 million, 20 million dollars in the bank, I'd be okay there. I could give my kids the money, and then I wouldn't have to worry about their economic future. Like that. However, um, that's not what happens once people are rich. <laughs> that's what they think. Once the people are rich, it's power and it's um, pleasure. I mean, that's what it is. The point of money is to be able to get what you want. Hear what I said? The point is to get what you want. And so the result in, throughout history is when you have society of the wealthy, like you had, for example, in Europe in the old aristocratic days, before the French Revolution or something like that, before World War One. Then the upper class are pleasure seekers. You see? And then depravity is the order of the day. And 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 morality is made fun of. I'm thinking, for example, the classic French novels of the eighteenth century or things like that. You know, dangerous liaisons, things like that. The morals are made fun of. And Ish the Avi Yochanara. And the father and son go together to the whorehouse. As a pretty depraved. Miss him? Unless you say like this, no. It's all about pleasure, having a good time. So what the heck? Laman Khaloshim Koshi. As the whole thing is a is a standing Khaloshem. So you see that the rich are characterized by a depravity, which is the inevitable result of the fact that once you get rich, you can you, you gain control of the power structure. And once you can gain control of the power structure, you make sure nobody criticizes you. And that's why they hate our prophet almost because he criticized him. That's the theme of the Haftorah today. He won't shut up. And he goes on to say, uh, not only do you have the business where children together with parents are going to the whorehouse, but he says, I mean, listen, this is, this is uh, uh, bitter stuff. Which is really disgusting. I remember learning this with my father, whoa, one million years ago in the summer school. Um, well, I'm a rich guy. You owe me money. Um, which is inevitable. You know, in modern societies, we have what you call Shylock Law, things like that. There's only so much money I can charge you interest. They recently tried to reform the laws, went to credit cards and all that. Because you can't kill somebody for the debt. Now, it's true, he should not have gotten into debt. That is 100% correct. I totally agree with that. What happened? So now we're going to kill him? Are we going back to Victorian England? You know, like Scrooge? And put him in the poorhouse and make him work and all? What are you going to do? You see? So, civilized societies will create laws limiting the power of the rich to get their money back, even though they do deserve it. You hear what I'm saying? These restraints on pure capitalism. The Torah has some. For example, the Torah says, you know, what he's referring to over here, if you owe me money, you don't have any money, can I take the clothes off your back? The Torah regulates that. Evidivri. Evidivri means, you owe me a lot of money, you stole from me, you damaged me, whatever. You shouldn't have done it, that's true. So I say, Ali, you son of a gun, you're trying to get away from me? I'm going to enslave you. No, this bezin's going to enslave you, and you got to work your tail off for me, Forever. 
By that I mean, you owe me 10 million bucks. You're going to have to work 10 million bucks worth. And baby, you're going to be a ditch digger in my backyard. You're going to have to work the rest of your life. But Torah doesn't allow it. Torah says you got six years, as we all know. And sometimes less than that. If you go by the Talmudic law, you know, depending on your health situation, all the rest of it. But it's not fair. He borrowed 10 million. He ripped me off. He owes me the money. And now you're telling me you can only get six years of work max out of him. And if it's an every day, you can't work up too hard. And so it's six years of work. I'll get 100 grand, 200 grand out of it. What about the 800 or more that I'm losing? And the Torah says, tough luck. Tough luck. So therefore you, the lender, the banker, whoever, know this up front. Don't make a mistake to get in over your head with a $10 million loan to some jerk because you'll never see the money if you follow the Torah. You get my point? Plus, of course, there's Yovel. There's the laws of, uh, against Ribis. There are, if you ever discuss it, certain um, islands of escape from pure capitalism. The Torah is embedded in the situation, provided that they actually keep it. <laughs> you get it? There's the rub. Because societies in general, including guards today, often the, 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 it breaks down and they don't keep it. You see what I'm saying? It's like that. That's exactly what happened to the Jewish people in time of Bayes Rishon uh, in the North. We know this from these prophetic books. You would not know this if we didn't keep the prophetic books. I'm talking about Nevi Machronim, Treyoser, and the big three, uh, Yishayir Micheskel. If you just read the book of Malachim and the book of Devarim, all they talk about is idol, idol worship or non-idol worship. So if they tell you this king did not worship idols, you say, oh, it must have been a big tzaddik. Not true. Because you see that even though they didn't worship idols, they presided over a tremendous amount of the rich screwing the poor against the Torah. They didn't enforce the laws. And they were in the hands of the richie riches, and that's how it went. And here's our hero today, uh, almost, who's blasting them. Now, he's not blasting them. He's, com he's communicating what God told him to say. And he says, I can't stand your religious hypocrisy, which is always a great mark of the rich, the ruthless rich. Because not only do they want to do bad things, they want to be praised for doing good things, even though they did bad things. And here's a great one. Uh, Some rich guy, I hit somebody for money, got him in the, in the, in, in the thing. By the way, the Torah prohibits Remus. But they did, they did ribbons anyway. You know what I'm saying? They did it. And, you know, the Torah says, uh, uh, don't let yourself get bitten or something like that. Uh, meaning that the ribbons is mainly directed against the borrower. Because the borrower needs money so bad, he'll say, I'll, whatever terms you want, I'll do it. If I can do whatever terms I want, I'll do 100% interest compounded semi-hourly. What the heck not? And that is what they did. And so the result is the poor couldn't pay. And it descended into a kind of a slavery and a dystopia. And so I'm the rich guy. You're the poor guy. You can't pay. I literally steal the clothes off your back. the And then, to show how pious I am, I go to the temple. Whatever kind of temple they had in the north. And I show how how pious I am by spending the night sleeping in the courtyard. So it's a, it's a wonderful phrase for the indictment of the hypocritical rich.
you see? And of extreme social injustice. Now, I always say, I'm sure I said it before, if you look closely, you know who was an exception to this? Best as I can tell. That's David Melech. And why do I say that? Because it's very interesting to me. In the story of David and Bathsheba, which you know, so after he bumped off Uriah and married Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan comes in, famous story, and he sets him up, and he said, well, I'm going to ask you a shower. What's a shower? There was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had a lot of sheep, and the poor man had only one sheep. Remember that? For the Roshin calling Kim Tafsachas. And the, and, the, and the sheep of the poor man was a family pet. They were uh, sentimentally attached to it, ate at the table as a family pet. And one day a visitor came to the rich guy, instead of taking one of his sheep, that Mamzer went ahead and took the sheep of the poor guy, knowing they couldn't fight him. And he shucked the dad to serve for the rich guy. He didn't care about all the emotional anguish it caused the next door neighbor, who was poor, 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 and now they took the family pet. And what should be done to such a person? And David didn't know he's being set up because, of course, it's Bathsheba, you know. And his instinctive action was like this. You make the guy pay and kill him. <laughs> right? Now, you can't go, he should be Dalva Hay and most Yumbo, something like that. Now, there's no din like that. You know that. You're not Chayav Misa for being a jerk and taking the other guy's pet. It's a momentous type of thing. If you're talking to me the language of Talmudic law. You can only be Chaim Misa for certain things. If you did something tremendously outrageous, if I went ahead and cyber-bullied somebody into committing suicide, I mean, you know, it's not actionable. Not, I'm not Chaim Misa. Even I did something disgusting. David Emach does not care. He said, when I'm king, I'm going to nail that son of a gun. He's going to pay Talib Hay. And it's not, and it's not being a comely with Ramani. It will kill him too. Which means... As a Mishpat Melech, I'm putting out there that when I'm the king, because David was born poor, when I'm the, you know, he was a shepherd. When I'm king, nobody rich guys will mess over with the poor. Not when I'm in charge. Not when I'm in charge. So it's very, you know, I always thought that's very interesting. And now you see the opposite. They're drinking wine. That's taken from, you know, what they squeeze out of the poor guys. So basically, the homotzius of your Yiddishkeit, of your frumkeit, stinks. So this is like an Israel Salanter speech. I want to get Mafta Yona, which is a very pious thing. So I bid more than anybody else. Where how do I make my money? By screwing over the poor. So then the heck with your money. But shuls don't typically do that, do they? Shuls say, okay, we need the money. So if you outbid the guy, you get Mafriyana. You see? You'll get the prize of the year. Machzik Torah Prize. You know, the Ben Torah Award. This and the other. Because our society in America is a money, money, money. You know, it's 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 not as bad as it was in time almost. It isn't. I'll make that clear. But the potential is there. And there's a lot of it. It's not as bad, but there are parts of it that are. Just go online and look who gets honored. And then you find out later on what they did and what they didn't do. Now I'm talking about the pervert stuff. I'm talking about the financial stuff. But it doesn't stop anybody from giving them all the covet. This is exactly what he's speaking about over here. And God goes on to say, this is not what I brought to Israel for. 
I took out the Goyen, I brought you to the land, 40 years in the desert, and I made your children uh, I, 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 God says, I made you a people that has certain Ruchnias capabilities, and some of your people I gave the, the ability to be prophets, which is amazing, you know, it's to live at a higher level. And some of your Bachorim to be Nazars, which again lives at a higher level. But then what happened? You screwed it all up. That's the heart of today's Torah. You corrupted, the rich people corrupted the Nazars by saying, come on and have another thing. It's like today, you know, you go to a kiddish. It's booze to la booze. And if you say, I guess I don't drink or this and the other, I don't like it. To make fun of you. Right? And the prophets who are endowed with prophecy, I should say like this, wow, this person has built himself up to a madrega. Because you don't become a prophet just like that. Built himself to madrega. That now God is sending a message. I should be in awe of him. Instead, the rich are like this. Lotino, just shut up. They don't like the criticism. That's the part of the rich. They want to get away with it, but they want to be praised as if they were tzaddikim. You see? And he won't he won't stand for it. Okay? And therefore, you wipe out the country. He says, They'll crush the whole country, and the army won't work. All the things that you rich people put your trust in, you know, the, the military, the police, none of it's going to work. All right? Now, he realizes that they hate him and they're criticizing him for shooting his mouth off. Mamish for shooting his mouth off. They didn't have the right reaction, which is, if he's a Navi, it's not him talking, it's Hashem talking. After listen, I may not like the bitter medicine that he's administering it, but I should take it in the sense of a doctor who's giving medicine. Right? Musa in the, in the in the best sense. If you're really telling me constructive criticism, things I should change, I should actually welcome it. Maybe the harsh language and so forth. I mean, I, I, that's human not to like the harsh language. But enough common sense you have to say, I need the constructive criticism. But that's not the answer. Instead, they shoot their mouth off. They say, listen, the guy I'm doing, everybody does, the whole world runs like this. What are you screaming at us for? And that you get with the very famous line, maybe in my mind, one of the most famous psukim in the entire Bible. Because I made you a chosen people, therefore I'll nail you for every mistake you made. I picked you for chosen people. Therefore, I will not let anything go. If you were some Gaisha nation, maybe I'll let it go. Maybe. You? No. Right? And then, people saying, just shut up. Just shut up. And he gives this famous end. Once again, using the rhetorical style, almost as a master rhetoric. That's why I tell you again. He went to some public speaking course. He did not go to a sycamore attender. And he says, You look around. Whenever there's something that happens, there's a cause. And it's a, the, the cause has an effect, you know. Uh, and when there's a certain cause, it's going to happen. If the sun's going to come up, it's going to be light, you know. 
You see two people walking, didn't they make up to, to do so? If you hear a lion roaring, doesn't mean there's a the lion is killing an animal. Do you ever find a bird that falls to the ground without having been trapped? And so on and so forth. If they blow an emergency chauffeur in the city, don't they get scared? This is the puzzle we always use for the power of the show from Rosh Hashanah. We talk a show about Amla Yechwara. That's in this week's Parsha of Torah. And so, Kilo Yas Hashem Tabarah Kim God doesn't do anything without tongue and Nabi. Meaning, what he means by that specifically is like this. No disaster comes on the Jewish people without a forewarning, which is interesting. That's very interesting. God says, the way I run the world... The way I run the world, I give a clear warning. If you don't listen, okay. But you can't say it came out of nowhere. You see? Now, that's in those days. Today, we wish we would have had something clear about the Holocaust or, frankly, anything like the terrorists killed somebody. I mean, we don't know why. We don't know why. We don't have a nubby. Different. Everybody's darshing for zich. This one says this way. This one says that way. You know how it goes. Each one... Claims it's the only one's fault. The chassidim will say it's the fault of the non-chassidim. The non-chassidim fault of the chassidim. The firm say the fry. The fry say the firm. But we don't know. Right? You can guess. You don't know. In those days, they had prophets. In those days, they had nobis. You see? And he says, Kilo God will bring something bad only when he tells the prophets first. So I've got a message for you that you will ignore at your own peril. If you don't listen to what I'm saying, it's going to be a disaster. And again, he goes rhetorically, Arye Shagmi Loyara. If the lion roars, don't people get scared? Hashem Okim Dibur Milayinovit. I'm a Novi. God spoke. He said, I got to say this message over. How can I not say the message over? How do you have the nerve to tell me to shut up? God told me not to shut up. Who am I supposed to listen to? You or Hashem? Hashem will deeper. Me looking at me. You see, I guess. People shouting in the crowd. Keep your opinion to yourself. You always have a, 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 a naysayer. Negative. Keep your opinions to yourself. What do you mean keep my opinions to myself? It's not my opinions. Hashem told me to talk. I'm a Navi. Hashem told me to talk. I'm going to listen to you, idiots. That is the end of the Haftarah today. <laughs> you see? That's fascinating. The main thing you have against him is Keep your opinions to yourself. And almost like this. A Navi is not allowed. Kovish Nabosa. A Navi is not allowed to keep his opinions to himself. A Navi has to tell what he told to say, even if it brings him into unpopularity, which of course it does. And many of the prophets, not only almost, in part of the books of the Tanakh, they're complaining to God, why do you give me a lousy assignment? Everybody would like to be the guy who predicts the rise of the stock market and, you know, the seven fat years. I can tell you now how America is going to have a great economy. Nobody wants to be the one who says, this is going to have a bad economy. Nobody wants to bring the bad news. You see? And he's like, I don't care. Hashem will keep Dibra, me me. God spoke. Who will not prophesy? Now, there is a famous story in the Gemara, somewhere in Pesachim, I think, where he said all kinds of things and got everybody ticked off. And one of the things he said was that the royal family, which at that time was the house of Yehu, the dynasty of Yehu, it's Yehu, Yochaz, Yoash, 
Yeravam, our guy over here, and then the next guy is Zechariah. They were ruling. But they were on the way out. After the death of Yeravam, the next guy was there for six months. And they all got exterminated, biblical style. Mashed and Bakir, they even killed the pitcher on the wall. The baby is pitching on the wall, which means they exterminated everybody. So he must have mentioned it in some pussy. The whole royal family is going to go down. Well, a priest, I think his name was um, Azaria, Amaria, something like that, went to um, uh, the king, and he said, Chazi maybe, and he said, this guy is speaking treason. He's, he's predicting, he's a prophet, he's predicting the downfall of the royal family. They should kill him. To his credit, this is why the Chazal liked Rav Benavad, even though he wasn't out of worshiper. To his credit, the King Rav the Second said, I think it's in the in the fifties somewhere in He said it's not his. He said exactly what the prophet said. He says I'm not going to punish him because he's only telling what God said to say. I can be angry at God for his predicting the downfall of my dynasty, but that's not going to do any good either. You understand? I can't change. That's clearly the story because otherwise he would have changed. So I can't be angry at Novi for giving a bad message because he can't shoot the messenger. You see? So the king, to his credit, took cognizance of the last pussy in the heart of Torah today, which says, Hashem Elkim Dibar Milo Yinove. If God tells Yinove to say something, Yinove's got to say it. And don't hold him responsible. Now, that means. And I'm going to conclude with this. That Noam almost must have come across as a very sincere guy. If I hear somebody today giving Musar, chance there will be a turnoff because is he saying a cool shame shaman or he likes to say it also? Because a lot of frummies, they like to give Musar others and criticize. They just like to criticize. So they're having fun doing it. So you say, yeah, but I'm talking something from keep Shabbos. Learn more, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but you're having too much fun criticizing. You see? Only if you have somebody, like your Cyril Salander type, which don't grow on trees, and which he said, like I don't want to do this, but I have to. You see? I'm telling you something for your own good. I don't get any pleasure out of criticizing it. It's not what turns me on. I'm doing cool as Shem Shemai. If you can get somebody that you believe and really means it, then people listen. Then it makes a Roshan. Uh, and so, almost, in my, this is a very vivid and powerful Torah, which is why I took a little bit longer. I want to thank Dove Hirsch from uh, Muncie for sponsoring today. And, uh, very nice of him. And uh, I want to encourage others. I don't have anybody for this coming week. So I hope people step forward. Uh, Hirsch and his family, I hope to meet them next time I'm in, in Muncie. Hanukkah is around the corner, and if opportunity presents itself, I'll say a few words about Hanukkah. Um, if you're interested, I'm going to have up online on my website uh, a video I did with the Gantz Business of Hanukkah. It's a couple hours long. Oh, from about 30 years ago. Guess what? I looked younger 30 years ago. Um, but for now, I wish everybody a good job.